Okay, you, listen, you are in for a treat today. I'm so glad that you're here. When we were planning out this whole series several months ago, uh, I put an asterisk next to this date as one that I was truly looking forward to. Uh, I'm just going to kind of tell you, this is going to be a little bit of a different morning. Uh, so if you're a guest, uh, I just want to give you a little clue on what we're doing here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach for just a little bit here, and then I'm going to bring... One of my buddies up, one of my sons in ministry, Terrence Lester uh, from Love Beyond Walls. He's going to come up here and I'm gonna, he's going to share the stage with me and uh, just really talk about this issue that I'm addressing this morning uh, that I'm calling the poor and the powerless. And uh, then we're going to end the service in a really, really cool way that you're going to want to be part of. So, um, you know, in the early days of this church, uh, I began to pray what w- would turn out to be a very powerful prayer. Uh, I don't know where I got it from, but I just began to pray, Lord, would you break my heart for the things that break your heart, and would you give me the wisdom and the courage to do something about it? And uh, I, I, I believe, honestly, it's, just, it's one of the most powerful prayers that you can pray. Lord, would you break my heart for the things that break your heart, and would you give me the wisdom and courage to do something about that? And I have prayed that prayer here in Dallas, Georgia. I've prayed it overlooking Cairo, Egypt. I've prayed it in Burkina Faso, Africa. I've prayed it in downtown Atlanta. I have prayed that prayer so many different places. Um, and as I've prayed that prayer, it's amazing because one of the things that God has truly broken my heart over uh, the last 20 years has been, just been the, those who were, who were down and out, the needy, the, the under-resourced. The, the Bible refers to these people as the least of these, the poor and the powerless of our community and our world. And I remember, as I prayed that, almost immediately, God brought me into contact uh, with a couple who who go to our church, Craig and Becky Parsons, who had just started a ministry called Warehouse of Hope. It's a ministry in in South Paulding that resources um, people who are just needy with with food and clothing. And and rather than trying to start a ministry like that from scratch, which was kind of our intention, we just thought, well, why don't we just engage what they're doing and help them out? And it's been such a blessing. And then we got connected with uh, a a couple, Ralph and Marie Ugo, uh, many of you know them. Uh, Ralph is from Nigeria, Marie is from, uh, from, from Queens. I always mess up until she's from Brooklyn. She quickly, quickly corrects me. Um, but they, they started a ministry in the area called Kaya, which, which was set up to minister to low-income housing projects appalling. And as you know, uh, Dan and Dora Lee Provorce now run that ministry. But, but we began to invest in, in that ministry. And many of you have gotten involved in that. And that's something that we invested in together. And as you know, uh, we then begin to do home makeovers for people in the area, literally either coming in and renovate their houses or just tearing it down and starting over from scratch. Just people who just desperately needed a fresh break in life, just needed a, a new start. And as that was going on, uh, we, we moved into this big building in 2005. And I remember when we moved into this building, I began to pray something like this. Lord, we've worked so hard for the last several years to get into this building. Now will you lead us to get out of this building? Because I, I, and I began to pray, break our hearts for what breaks yours and mobilize, mobilize us to get out and to serve the least of these in society, the poor, the, the marginalized, the hungry, the sick, the under-resourced. Lead us where you want us to minister. You know, the Bible, as I've found and as you know, has so much to say in the Old Testament and the New about ministering to the poor, the, the needy, the, the underprivileged, the refugee, the orphan, the widow. So I knew as I was praying these prayers over, you know, over the years, and I still pray that prayer, I knew that God was, was lining my, script, my prayer up with Scripture and that I was praying in line with God's will, which meant that I was getting ready to see some 
prayers answered in a very powerful way. And I don't know if you know this, but when you pray in line with scripture and with God's will, you are not only lining yourself up for answered prayer, but you may see some things that are gonna blow you away. And uh, God has continued, he's, that's exactly what he's done. 2007, I remember we were at, my wife and I were in California on one of my summer breaks and, and I was at a church and I started seeing some things they were doing and I called Paul Richardson on the phone. I said, hey, I got an idea, write this down. And together he and I created something called Community Makeover, which we began to minister to, uh, to the least of these in our own community. And we started mobilizing hundreds of you in this church to get out of this building on a weekend. And, and we actually canceled church on a Sunday just to get out and to show the love of Jesus. And it just continued to snowball and grow. And next thing we know, we got 80 churches helping us. And we started something called Engage Atlanta and it just took off. And we're getting ready, as you know, to, to kick off a, a refreshed version of Community Makeover this coming summer, Community Makeover 2.0. And uh, we're looking forward to getting you out there and getting connected with people that just desperately need a, a touch of, of Jesus, the love of Jesus. And at that same time, uh, God led us to engage in the third poorest country in the world, Burkina Faso, Africa. And we began to tackle waterborne illnesses by providing fresh, clean water for villages that that didn't have it. And we, we partnered there, we're partnering there with Samaritan's Purse to, to help children, sponsor children who desperately need healthy food and, and the gospel. We planted churches there, built churches there, and we've been able to see now over 6,000 people come to know Jesus Christ in Burkina Faso. And we're taking churches with us now to help them to begin to do the same thing all over uh, that country. And then in 2010, my man Paul Richardson and, and some families that were in our church did something really awesome. They came up with an idea to begin to engage some of the under-resourced in our community during Christmas time and, and started something called Hope for Christmas. And as you know, uh, in the past six years, we've been able to literally impact the lives of thousands of people. This past year, we, together, we, we, uh, we, we served over 1,500 families, 6,000 children, 1,900 of you were involved in all of that. And then in 2012, as our adults began to work in Guatemala, new endeavors in Guatemala, our students began to work in Nicaragua, which is the second poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. And in Guatemala, together as a church, we've adopted two villages where we've provided clean water for both villages. We've provided education space. We've built houses. We've, we've built a church. We've seen people come to Christ. In Nicaragua, where our high school students have been, have been serving, they, they provided two water wells with their own money. Uh, they've provided the funds for 30 kids to go to school who otherwise would not be able to go to school. And they have personally led one-on-one -on -one stuff, our students, 217 people uh, to, to, to faith in Christ. That's our high school students. And over the last few years, as I, I've just continued to say, God, break my heart over the things that break your heart. He's broken my heart uh, just recently over this whole refugee crisis that's going on in our world. And, and uh, it really is an epidemic. And Paul and I went to Greece back in January and um, I saw young, young boys who had escaped. I'm talking kids under the age of 10 who had escaped by themselves out of Iraq or Syria who were now living as orphans in, in, in a church in, outside of Athens, Greece. I saw women, who, who mothers who were, were living in tents with babies, many who had been sexually assaulted and raped by, by ISIS. And it just absolutely broke my heart. And I, and I said, God, we've got to do something about this. I know this has become a political issue in our country, but this is a spiritual issue because the Bible has so much to say about how we're to treat refugees and foreigners. And recently, as I've been praying, I discovered that, uh, that one of the largest populations of refugees in our own country lives 
on the other side of Atlanta, outside of Stone Mountain in a, in a, in a town called Clarkston, there are over, over, over 20,000 refugees within a square mile there. And we're going to start working as a church to, to engage those people in the upcoming months and years. And, and as I was talking with one of the ministry leaders that, that we're going to work with, I said, what's the biggest need here? Because when we, went to, when we went to Burkina Faso, Africa, Paul and I sat down with this village leader and we said, we said what's the biggest need in, this, in these villages? And, and he said, water. He said, our, our, our people can't hear the gospel without fresh, clean water. We have mothers holding babies that are dying in their arms because of waterborne illnesses, malaria, and, and they can't hear the words of the gospel because they're so consumed with their children, and we all understand that. And, and so, I, uh, so we began to, 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 to provide water, which has opened up the opportunity for us to, to provide and, and, and share the gospel. And so when we were over in, in, in the Clarkson area, I asked one of the ministry leaders, I said, what, what's the biggest need here? And he said, well, it's not water. He said, I want to tell you what it is. It's friendship. He said, these people are so desperate for friendship. They just want to know that American people care about them. And if we're just, we'll just show them friendship, just reach our hand out to them and love on them. It will open up the world for us to be able to share the gospel with them. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to mobilize friendship and take it over there. And see people come to Christ. Lord, this is my prayer for our church. Lord, break our hearts for the things that break your heart and give us the wisdom and courage to do something about it, to get out of the walls of this building and to do something about it. Well, as we move into chapter six of our series on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is still teaching, obviously, and he's beginning to stir things up. If he already hasn't stepped on some toes of the Pharisees, he's really going to begin to stomp now because he begins to uh, examine the hypocrisy of, of their actions. And in Matthew 6, 1, here's what he says. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your father in heaven, who, uh, from your father who's in heaven. Now understand this, back during this time when Jesus is speaking, the Pharisees, um, they, they would show off their, their spirituality by doing three things. This is how they would basically practice their righteousness. They, they made a great show of not only giving to the poor, and if you know this from the King James, it, it, it mentions giving alms, which means giving to the needy. They would flaunt their prayer lives and they would flaunt their, 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 flaunt their fasting lives. And so not pulling any punches, Jesus begins to call them out on their hypocrisy and he questions their motives by teaching, okay, here, here's the wrong way, here's the wrong motives for how to engage the poor and then here's the right way, it's a proper way, how to do this in the proper spirit. How do, how do we engage the, the poor in, the, in, in a proper way? And in verse two, he says, thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues. He's talking about the Pharisees now and in the streets that they may be praised by others. He says, truly I say to you, they have received their rewards. And Jesus lays out the wrong motives for helping those in need. He says, don't do it first of all for attention's sake by sounding your trumpet out in the street or in the synagogue. Don't do it to earn the praise of others and don't do it to feed your pride. He says, if you're serving or giving to others in that kind of spirit, then when people give you applause or notice your deeds, he says, because it's been all about you showing off for your own sake, he says, then that's your reward. You're not getting any reward in heaven. That's your reward right there. So here's the deal. If I serve others or give others for attention's sake or to earn the praise of others or to feed my pride, then there is no reward for me in heaven. That's what Jesus is teaching here. In other words, your likes and praises on Instagram, your retweets on Twitter, your, uh, you know, your 102 likes on Facebook for yourself, you know, when you announce your good deeds or your rewards, he says, that's it. That's your reward. You say, how can that be? Because Jesus is teaching that it's all about the heart. 
It's all about the heart. The how and the why behind what we do gives a lot, says a lot about our, the condition of our heart. Jesus says when you give or serve out of the wrong motives to receive the praise of men, he says basically you're a hypocrite. What does that mean? It means you're an actor. You're putting on a show. And then he addresses the right motives for helping those in need. He says in verse three, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That means that you're giving to the poor or to the church or, for, or if you're serving others for the Lord's sake, it should be done so freely and so spontaneously that your right hand cannot keep up with your, what your left hand is doing. I mean, it just you're just doing it freely and spontaneously. You can't even keep up with what's going on because it's just part of your life, but it also should be done with the right motive. He says, so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees you in secret will reward you. He says, here's, that's the right motive. Here, here's the motive for my giving and serving. Jesus says, you do it to honor me. You do it to meet a need. You do it to share the love of God, of Christ with others. And you do it to obey God. You say, what does that mean? Well, in 1 John three seventeen, it says, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, Let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Bottom line is this. Christ followers, as Christ followers, we're called to give to those in need. But here's the way it has to be done. We do it by faith, out of a cheerful heart, with a total dependence that God sees you, that he'll take care of you. He'll meet your needs when you meet the needs of others. And then he'll reward you in heaven. A few years back, um, God brought a, a very dynamic couple into our church planning assessment center here at Westridge. And, um, and they passed with flying colors. Uh, then they went into training, did a phenomenal job. Um, and we got a chance to know them over the last few years. And, and not only um, did, they, did they pass all of the training and, and assessment, but, they, but without a doubt, we knew when they left out of, out of, our, out of our training school here that they were going to be... Uh, two of the sharpest church planters that we had ever sent out of Westridge Church. They had a, they had a heart to plant a church in, in College Park, Georgia, which you, which you know is, is the area around our airport. However, uh, what they didn't know and what we didn't know is that God had other plans for them. And as, as they were in the midst of planting this church, God had been breaking Terrence Lester's heart, been breaking Cecilia Lester's heart around the issue of uh, systemic poverty in Atlanta. And so I want to show you a, um, a video that will set up uh, my time with uh, Terrence. Uh, so if you would just uh, direct your attention to the screen. My name is Terrence Lester. On August 20th, 2016, I left on a 648 mile journey from Atlanta, Georgia to Washington, D.C. on foot to give people living in poverty a voice and to lift their stories above the stats. My full name is Charles Ronald Tucker. I go by CR because my father, is, his name is Charles Ronald Tucker as well, so I go by CR. I am from Seneca, South Carolina. Been here all my life. I've uh, lived in projects in Atlanta. I've lived all over the United States. I'm a truck driver, doing all kinds of things. So I've been homeless now for four weeks again. I've been homeless before. I used to live back here. The hardest thing about being homeless is that, like, when I look at you and you look at me, I feel ashamed of myself. 
we know what it looks like, right? Like if you walk down somewhere, you can say, oh, that person is living in poverty. But what is what does that mean? You know, what does that mean for them? And I think that's such a hard concept to try and quantify and define because I think it's so unique for so many people. But, um, I, I, you know, I, like I said, I don't think I have the right to define it because I haven't lived it. But I would say just at the most basic level, it's just a lack of, of resources, a lack of access to resources. It's not even that they don't have them. It's, a, it's an accessibility. Just give somebody a helping hand if you can. Take them to the grocery store, buy them a sandwich. Don't let these people get dumpsters and eat. And so how do we, as civic leaders, as clergy persons, as community leaders, begin to realize this is our problem. If our brothers and sisters are struggling with poverty, then so am I. And if I don't do anything about it, then I'm complicit in the crime that literally results in the deaths of my brothers and my sisters. All right, Western Church, would you welcome to our stage uh, Terrence Lester. And I want to just take a moment before we, Terrence and I have a conversation about this issue, and I want to also welcome uh, his wife, Cecilia, who's here with him today. And your mom's with you today. I love that. That's awesome. Very good. So good. Um, Terrence, as I, as I mentioned earlier, Terrence uh, went through, uh, he and Cecilia went through our church planning assessment, and they went through, Terrence went through our training, and uh, they had a heart to plant a church in, in College Park, and, and uh, I remember a few years back, Terrence, you calling me on the phone and, and uh, set up a lunchtime and a- Amy and, and I joined you and Cecilia at, uh, at Jim and Nixon Hiram and, and we sat down with you and your heart was burdened and we were, you were telling us about this church that you were wanting to plant, but, but it was difficult to get people to come on Sunday morning because in that community, uh, in the African-American community, if you don't have a building, it's tough to get a church off the grounds. But God was doing something else. He was blessing you guys in a huge way. I think you remember you telling me you had like 300 people showing up to engage uh, the homeless, those who were uh, in poverty. And from that, uh, you birthed a ministry called Love Beyond Walls. And I remember you looking at me and saying, you know, I, I was asking you, well, what's God blessing? And you said, well, look, here's what he's blessing. And I said, well, why don't you do that? And you said to me, you're not going to be disappointed in me? And I said, no, no, I want you doing what God wants you to have, what he wants you to do. This is kind of a different expression of church. And I asked you, I said, you got a name for this? And you went, yeah, I do. Love Beyond Walls. And, and it's just kind of taken off from there. And uh, man, I, we've been, as a church, we've had a chance to help them get this off the ground. It's a, just been amazing what God's done uh, in their lives as a family. But tell us a little bit about your story, uh, your background and, and how you got into all of this. I was taken back to the time when I was 20 years old. Um, I was in an orange jumpsuit sitting in a jail cell. Um, I had made a wrong decision. And uh, it, just being in that place caused me to think about all of the wrong decisions that I had made as a teenager, being rebellious toward my mom, yeah. running away from the house, uh, living out of the trunk of my car, living in parks, um, uh, being in gangs, uh, to just not knowing who I was as an individual, running with the wrong crowds. And uh, luckily I had a praying mom 
and somebody who showed me tough love to say, hey, you know, you got you to gotta get yourself in church, you know. Uh, but while I was in there, uh, another inmate uh, shared his faith with me out the blue, um, asked me, and, you know, what on, what on earth are you doing here? Not to just kind of get, you no know, like, what did you do to get here? But like, why are you wasting your life? And uh, I remember the charges were dropped. My mom came down, and uh, I moved back to Atlanta, and I was asked to come to a small group Bible study with just men. This guy is preaching through Romans, and he gets to this passage where it says, uh, uh, but in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Mm. It's the first time I ever heard the gospel. What do you mean? You still love me, God, even though I have poverty within my soul. And, uh, yeah, and I asked him, what did I have to do to be saved? I was 21, and I, get, I came to faith. And um, my life has just radically changed. Went back uh, to school, uh, got my high, high school diploma, went on to earn four degrees, and I uh, got married, been, going, been married going on 11 years this yeah. year. So it's awesome. God has been yeah. with I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Man, we got a master's degree in theology. Yeah. I love it. That's so good. Yeah. So I tell, how, about, how did your background and experience, I mean, just kind of set the table for what you're doing right now? Yeah, I mean, this is more than a hobby to me and my wife. Yeah. We've actually it's been touched. Life. Yeah, we've been touched by the pains that pains other people who are wrestling with poverty. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you look at the landscape of how poverty uh, creates barriers, uh, whether it's being uh, uneducated or like just some of the, the, the challenges that you have to face, I understand. Yeah. And not only do I understand, I'm able to minister effectively to a person who is uh, in the shoes that I was once in yeah. and able to lift them up and give them dignity by saying, although you may be experiencing this externally, God still has worth and value for your life. Mm-hmm. And I can look somebody dead in the eyes and say that because if God did it for me, he can do it for you. Absolutely. That's good. So... Give us a sense. I mean, God has, has, has really allowed you to do some amazing things uh, yeah. in the Atlanta area. And, it, and it's brought, it's, a lot of it's created some national attention. But what, what does poverty look like in the Atlanta area? I, mean, I know you've got some stats, some brief, you got maybe a, a brief story. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, poverty is, poverty is an enemy, first of all. And poverty f- affects all people, yeah. right? It doesn't matter where you come from or your background. But I mean, in the city of Atlanta, you think about impoverished neighborhoods that are food deserts, meaning uh, there aren't any healthy grocery stores around. So if you're impoverished, you don't have transportation, and your closest thing to walk to is a liquor store or a gas station, guess what kind of food you're eating? Well, that creates health issues. Um, That creates, uh, you know, poverty creates family breakdown. Poverty also creates homelessness and crime. And also, like, gentrification. Uh, housing is a big issue, right? Yeah. When predatory investors come in, they buy a property, drive up uh, property tax. The persons that are already living in the community can no longer afford, uh, you know, the, the, the housing in the community. So they're driven out. And then it's like when you don't have access, when you don't have access to the basic resources that you need to be just self-sustaining, then it becomes a, a challenge. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think of uh, Mark, who was behind our building digging in the trash can uh, with no identification. He was impoverished and homeless. Uh, he 
you know, if you sit and talk to him, he'll tell you that because I don't have identification, I'm not like I'm not even considered a mm. citizen mm. because I can't go open a bank account. I can't get a job. Mm-hmm. I can't get license. I can't. So it's like, well, if you have absolutely nothing, it's so many hurdles to even uh, jump over just to even get your identification yeah. to say you are who you say you are. Yeah. That's a six to seven, sometimes eight month process mm. alone. Uh, so you talk about some of the barriers, uh, and it's just hard. Yeah, yeah. Well, when you guys started this ministry, yep. you've done some really amazing things. I've told you before, you're a warrior. And, uh, and I've watched you do some things, uh, talked with you about them. Many of these things that you've done have actually been Cecilia's ideas. And, <laughs> and, I, and I told you earlier, yeah. I, I, it's really been her idea to get you out of the house for a little while. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, I, you, I remember a few years ago, you, you actually lived... Yes. For over a month, I think, uh, with the homeless uh, yeah. in 20 degree weather. Yeah. The, the next year, uh, you guys were given a, a bus, which has become a mobile makeover unit. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But yeah. and you, you lived on top of the bus for, for over a month or was it 40 for days? Month. For a month. Yeah. Just to raise awareness, to get the bus finished so yes. they could provide mobile makeovers, haircuts and yeah. clothing and showers. And then, uh, and then you, uh, you went for a walk last summer and uh yeah. not not just a little walk you went for a big walk you you walked yeah. from atlanta to washington dc mm. yeah. uh how many miles is that i mean all together it was it was over 700 miles uh it took me two months to complete 14 pairs of shoes something like yep. that uh hardest thing i ever did in my life uh but grateful i did it because it was on behalf of those who don't have a voice um, but there was a story, there was a story yeah. that really, I think, was a contributing factor to, to get you to, to start yeah. walking. You? Yeah, I was, I was at the office and, uh, you know, we, we resourced people uh, with different items all throughout the week, uh, whether it's a mom walking uh, two miles just for diapers or a homeless guy walking just to shower or wash his clothes mm-hmm. because he's struggling. Should I buy food or wash my clothes uh, so I can go to a job interview? I mean, the list goes on. Yeah. And this elderly lady knocks on our window Saturday morning. I'll never forget it. And she says, is this the organization that provides food? I'm like, yeah, this is us. You know, uh, we don't have anything going on today. And I peeped my head around the corner and I didn't see a car. I said, where's your car? How did you get here? She says, I walked. Hmm. I put uh, into my GPS the address that she gave me, seven miles. Hmm. She walked seven miles just for a bag of groceries. And, you know, it broke, it broke my heart. I go like, you know, it just makes me think about the many, many people who are walking just to survive, walking mm. just to make ends meet, you know, uh, not even including the people who have to get up three hours extra early to catch public transportation, spend four hours on that just to go work a part time job for five hours. So you've worked just before you went mm. to work and you have to do the same thing going in reverse. Yeah. And it broke my heart. And I go. You know, I wanted to take off my shoes of comfort and put on shoes, the shoes of those who were actually wrestling with the issue to raise their stories above the stats. Yeah. And, and, and I remember one of the things that stood out to me about your walk is the amount of abandoned homes and buildings that you passed. Yeah. And you were counting them. Yeah, it was hard. Like even see our story in the video, like you get a chance, you spend time with individuals and they're like, man, if I just had somewhere to lay my head, you know, or if I could have some hot water. You know, he was, he showed me how he had to take showers behind a, a building. Yeah. He like sneaking to do it. Right. Yeah. And you go, man, you're homeless. And then you walk down a block and you count 20, 20 abandoned houses, 20 abandoned buildings. It's like, duh. 
Like we have excess, yeah. we have resources. What if we? It's there. Yeah. Uh, why aren't we doing more with what God has already given us at our, our, our disposal to uh, lift up our brothers and sisters? Yeah. You know, one of the things I love about your ministry, uh, Terrence, is that, I mean, you, you, you talk a lot about giving people dignity. Yeah. And I know that this is not just, you know, it's not just meeting people's physical needs. You're meeting spiritual needs. You've had over 270 people come to Christ yes. uh, that are homeless or, or, you know, impoverished or whatever. And, and that's been a, such a huge part of this, I think, for you. But, I mean, you've brought people off the streets and you've yeah. put them into jobs. And just talk a little bit about the theology behind this and what that looks like for you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's highly biblical. You you look at Genesis one twenty six. We were all fashioned and created in God's image. We all have the Imago Day in us, uh, but sin entered the world. New Testament Hamartia means that we miss the mark of God. But in that, you know, in the poverty of our own our own souls, God demonstrates His own love toward us. In that, while we were still sinners, Christ died. Right. It says that uh, he made Jesus Christ, who was rich, poor, and through his poverty that we may have richness in our spirituality. So when Jesus comes to earth, then he gives us the uh, great commandment. He says, love God with everything, but love your neighbor as yourself. Meaning, when he says this phrase, your neighbors um, are not like you. He's saying, go love somebody uh, based upon the, the overwhelming love that you've experienced from the Father in heaven, go love somebody who is not like you. Mm-hmm. Jesus came. He came to forgive. He came to set free. He came to raise people from the dead. I mean, he fed multitudes. Jesus was preaching good news to the poor, and that's where he spent this time. He said, when I see people and they're weary and they're broken, I'm moved with compassion because they're like sheep without a shepherd. And like, I don't just want to come to church and worship Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Preach. You know? (laughs) And it's like, I pray this every morning. God, give me Samaritan's eyes. Mm. Allow me to have the same eyes that you have when you see people who are struggling and suffering with need. And beyond that, people are just, I mean, like we talk to so many different people the thing that people like the most who are impoverished is friendship. Yeah, yeah. They want to have dignity just by saying, I'm, you, you'll be amazed at the number of people who say, you noticed me? You noticed me? Mm. I stink. I don't smell good. Mm. I don't have a haircut. I don't have a lot of money. You noticed me? And it's, this prosperity theology is jacking people up because they, you know, we, we think on. that we, we have to have material possessions for God's riches. And it's like, no, Jesus didn't come to die for you to have a Bentley. Jesus came to die for your soul to be in heaven. Come on. You know? Yeah. And when I can say that to a person that says, no matter where you are in your life, Jesus came for you. He has worth and value for you. It doesn't matter if your dad wasn't there. It doesn't matter if your mom wasn't there. It doesn't matter if you was a high school dropout. It doesn't matter, matter if you made a bunch of decisions. As long as you are in Christ, all things become new. Yeah. And that's what I get a chance to tell people. Yeah. And I'm excited about yeah. it, you know? Come on. <laughs> all right, I'll, I want to take this down just with the time we have left. I, I was asking, I want to take this down to a practical level. Yes. Because uh, I, want, I want you to talk about how people can just take steps. But one of the things I was asking you uh, between services, I was saying, I was telling you, you know, when I go to downtown Atlanta or, you know, I go to downtown Chattanooga, I have people 
talk to me all the time, wanting money from me. Yes. Uh, you know, people pulling up in a gas station and saying, will you give me money for this or that? And I loved your answer. Would you just share just for a moment with the church about how you handle people on the street, the, the, the homeless who want money from you or whatever? Talk about that. Uh, I, I, yeah, I never give money. Hmm. I give them relationship. Um, because giving money to an issue doesn't solve the issue, mm-hmm. but giving myself to the issue might become a bridge that leads them to faith and leads them up out of their situation. Yeah. So if somebody asks me for a meal, I'm not going to give you money for a meal. I'm going to create the margin in my life where I can go sit down and have a meal with you. Mm. Because I don't want to know your need. I want to know you. Yeah, that's good. I want to know where you come from, your struggles, your hopes, your dreams, your fears, your setbacks. How did you get here? I want to know you as a person. And that's the ultimate uh, way to give somebody dignity. If you need a room for a night, I'm not going to give you the money for a room. I'm going to get you the room because I want to know that what I'm actually giving to is being used to help you in where where you are. So just what are some practical things that people can do just to make a difference? Yeah, the the, the first thing is um, uh, it's it's untraditional stuff, but it's stop talking and create margin, right? And what I mean by this is we all want to get involved. Some of us have had heart, hearts for years to get involved, but we don't have the margin because our schedules are too busy. We have so much on our calendars. We're being pulled in so many different directions. And it's mm. like, if you don't even have the margin to give of yourself, how can God work through you? Yeah. Some of us needs to, need to, starting today, as soon as we leave here, throw away everything that's on our plates that's weighing us down that doesn't belong because it has no eternal value, right? And then the second thing is this, uh, forget your fears, right? Get past your stereotypes. You know, I hear often people are like, well, what did I say? Uh, You know, I I don't know. It's like, they're human. They're they're created in the image of God. They're people, you know? They like sports. They like food. They have preferences. They have, they just had a lot of downs in their lives where they had no support system sometimes, Mm. you know? And it's like, you know, get past your fears. Uh, take a step. Engage in a conversation. Learn somebody's story. Mm. Um, thirdly is know your community. You know, know what's around you. Know what, what have you noticed lately? Uh, what, have you, what organizations are out there? What's in your geographical location that you can give yourselves to? And, and the fourth thing is this. Give your time, talents, and treasure. Uh, create rhythms to do something that becomes a lifestyle. Like, we push back against the event stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah, you did an event, but like, how's this becoming a rhythm in your life based upon the margin that you have? Yeah. Uh, I was yeah. telling uh, Brian a story about my son. We were at a stoplight. He saw a homeless person, and he says, I feel bad. And I'm like, you know, is everything okay? He says, uh, that guy doesn't have a home, and he doesn't have a friend. Mm. And I was like, you want to say something to him? He says, yeah, and he says... Most parents be locking the yeah, door to yeah, roll yeah. up the window. I rolled yeah. down my window. I wanted him to engage. Um, he says, I'm your friend, and I care about uh, poor people. And you can see the frown on that guy's face uh, turn from a frown to a smile. Yeah. Um, notice people. Mm. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things I love about your mobile makeover unit is, is, I mean, you bring guys off the street, ladies, and you give them haircuts. Yes. You let them take showers. You just put them in a fresh set of clothes and it just gives them worth and dignity. They feel good about themselves, yeah. you know, and that's what so many of these folks I think are, are just wanting. Yeah. And, and that's what one of the things you're doing. How, how do, how can, 
people just get engaged with you on a, on a, on a day-to-day basis? I mean, what's a serving opportunity look like? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're serving opportunities all throughout the week, Monday through Friday, mm-hmm. um, a couple times a month on Saturdays. You can go to lovebeyondwalls.org and just look at our calendar. We yeah. have a full list of events. Uh, we would like to get small groups and people who just are on fire to take radical love to people who don't experience love. Yeah, yeah. That's love, good. It, love can be some, uh, such a twisted word, especially with the world standards. Mm-hmm. And we have a golden opportunity to say, we're going to love you without strings attached, yeah. with no weird motives, and show you the love of the Father. And through the relationships that are built, um, hopefully plant some seeds, water the seeds, and ultimately God will get the increase. Yeah, that's awesome. Wes, yeah. you're just one of the most purest, I think most powerful things that we're involved in as a church is, is, is helping them and being part of their ministry. So I want you to, uh, to thank my friend Terrence for just uh, for being here today, for his work. <laughs> thank you, guys. Thank yeah. you, Cecilia. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> you know, as, as we close, I want to I just ch- challenge you with a couple things. Uh, I want to just encourage you to be praying this prayer. Lord, would you break my heart for the things that break your heart and would you give me the wisdom and the courage to do something about it? And then go do it. Yeah. And at the same time, as you serve, whatever it looks like, wherever you're serving, whatever you're doing, just check, check your spirit on it. You know, ask yourself, Lord, am I giving with the wrong motives or am I serving and giving with the, with the right motives? Uh, and, and then just engage. Start, start giving, start serving. It's an, it just start becoming obedient uh, I, I love what Terrence said. You've got to create some margin in your life to engage the things that God's calling you to do that are outside of the, the little things that we put on our schedule and, and just overcome your fears. Realize that you, you when I, I've hung out with you on the streets before, and I'm yeah. just amazing. You, it's like the Holy Spirit of God is on you, you could, because you walk with, with you're just fearless and it's just the Holy Spirit. Hmm. I mean, you're just a normal guy who, who just has a, a heart for you know, people, but you, man, it's just, it, you're fearless. But we, we have that same access to that same Holy Spirit. That's right. And uh, so I want to encourage you to just start, engage either in giving. You know, I shared with the first service, they wanted to get a love center uh, opened up in, in College Park to really, to begin to engage uh, some folks with mental illnesses and things like that and to provide resources for the people there. And I know he's about $65,000 short right now. So if you've got your checkbook and an extra 65000 sitting around... <laughs> Uh, you have my permission to give it to him. Uh, but you can, listen, start serving with him. He'll tell you about the needs, he and Cecilia, and, and just or, or engage their ministry with financially. Um, you know, uh, Terrence talked about Jesus coming and engaging the poverty of our souls and uh, how he came and made himself nothing, became poor so that we could become rich. And he's talking about spiritually rich. And, and I want to give, I want to engage you there. Some of you may have walked in this place today feeling spiritually poor, empty inside because there is no relationship with Jesus Christ. And yet through this conversation, the Holy Spirit's been talking to you about the need for you to ask Jesus Christ to become your savior, become your Lord. So if you do me a favor, I want you just to bow your head for just a moment. Um, as, as we pray, I want to ask our elders and pastors, if you would, to come up on the stage for just a moment. Um, if you're here today and you've never ask Jesus Christ to be your savior. You've never put your faith and trust alone in Jesus. Would you right now just pray with me in your heart? You say, Lord, at this very moment, I ask you to engage me. I say yes to this, this knocking on my heart, Lord. And I open up my life to receive Jesus Christ to be my personal Lord and savior. Jesus, you are the son of God. I repent of my sins and I ask you for forgiveness today. 
Would you engage the spiritual poverty in my life, Lord, with what only you can bring, the fullness of salvation. And what you did on the cross for me was enough to pay for every sin and everything I've ever done. Lord, I want to walk with you, so today at this very moment, I receive your your free gift of salvation into my life. Would you be my personal savior? If you just prayed that with me, I want you to get your Get Connected card out, fill it out just a moment, take it to the Help Center. We want to engage you and start walking with you uh, in your journey with Jesus Christ. It's so important you know how to take that next uh, you know, step as a disciple in Jesus.